When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Hey, can I just take a minute and brag a little bit? I have a uh, 32-day Duolingo streak going. Oh, my goodness. I know. It I know. is impressivo, let yeah. me tell you. <laughs> I really enjoy, they have these little stories, little scenarios, and there was one scenario where a woman comes up to a guy in a, in a supermarket, and, and she's looking for a doctor because somebody in the other aisle isn't feeling well. And so she asks him, are you a doctor? And his response is, yes. Can't you see my expensive pants? Now I can't stop saying that. I'm like, <laughs> yes, look at my expensive pants. Of course I'm a doctor. <laughs> it reminds me of my dad's wife who insisted that my sister was a doctor because she wore a lot of scarves. <laughs> yes yeah no she said she was like a doctor she's like a doctor because she wears a lot of scarves I, i'm not really sure i follow that logic but yep. uh yeah i'm sure your sister marcia could be a doctor if she wanted to oh be. she could be anything if she wanted to she's got a scarf for every vocation <laughs> you know in the past we've talked about different types of um, medieval torture devices. Yeah. Some of them pretty ghastly. Indeed. Uh, the pair of anguish. Yep. Comes to mind. Just a quick rundown on how that worked. No. Um, it got inserted into somebody's mouth or some orifice and then expanded. They would twist a little thing and it would expand and it would not feel good. No. And then there was... Uh, do you remember talking about the scavenger's daughter, another torture device? The scavenger's daughter. No. Yeah. yeah, it was used a lot at the Tower of London during the 16th and 17th centuries. It was like this metal contraption that squished a person's body into itself. Serious oh. compression. Oh. Not a good thing. The squeezing was so intense, it would make people bleed from their nose and their mouth and... 
Yeah, I bought yeah. Spanx once and never again. Spanx made you bleed from your orifices? Felt like it. <laughs> now, as horrific as those two examples are, many say there was another system of torture in those, in those days that was far worse, even though it was not as violent. Okay. Was it emotional torture? That was a big part of it. In the Middle Ages, prisons were like the ultimate horror show. All sorts of gruesome torture methods. But there was one kind of prison that was at a whole different level. It was called an oubliette. Should there be a content warning for this? Yes, but I really wouldn't be able to define what it would be fair enough that would trigger you. Okay. Um, this is just not a very pleasant experience on a number of levels. The oubliette was a simple but extremely terrifying pit. Imagine being dropped into a deep, dark hole in a castle and then just forgotten. No food, no water, no sunlight, no way out. It's like being buried alive, but in a pit. People tossed in there would break down mentally pretty quickly. Sure. These horror pits weren't just in one place. They were all over Europe. Famous spots like the Bastille in France, castles in England, Ireland, even Turkey had them. Some of these pits might not have been originally constructed for prisoners, but they were used as an oubliette anyway. Sure, you use what you have available to you. Well, yeah. So how to really accurately describe an oubliette? The word comes from the French meaning to forget. Oh. Uh, it's pretty fitting, really, considering people thrown in there were meant to be forgotten by the world. These pits were also called bottle dungeons, and they were like a shaft leading to a lower dungeon. The unlucky people who'd be thrown in there, left in the darkness, sometimes amongst rotting remains of previous prisoners, right. a bunch of rats. Kathy Rosen from Nottingham's Galleries of Justice uh, mentioned this one oubliette they found from the 14th century. And just thinking about being trapped in there, either starving or, or just losing your marbles, gives me the chills. Some oubliettes were cruelly built into castle walls so prisoners could still hear life going on outside, even though they were stuck in there with very little room to move. <sighs> So much about that bothers me because I don't even like it when there's like a weird smell for a couple days. Like, where's that weird smell coming from? Uh -huh. Well, it's coming from the, the corpses inside the wall. Like, that's not a good plan. That doesn't benefit you. They weren't thinking that through. I guess not. But there was one infamous oubliette in history, and it is in Leap Castle in Ireland. And it's not just spooky there for its dungeon. It's said to be one of the most haunted castles ever. The O'Carroll clan who built it were not the folks that uh, you'd want to mess with back in the day. Okay. They even uh, decked out their oubliette with wooden spikes before they tossed people in there. The Darby family took over the castle and they found a ton of uh, skeletons impaled on these wooden spikes at the bottom of the oubliette. So at least you have a chance of just dying. Yeah, not a very painless death, but yes. Okay. A thousand percent prefer that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just 
huck me onto a spike. I can't imagine cleaning that up. Can you imagine? You, you get a cat. Apparently they didn't. No, I mean the Darby clan that came in and uh, took over the castle. Uh, and they're thinking like, yeah, maybe we can turn this into a bed and breakfast. Uh, let's take that wall down. Oh, my God. <laughs> and apparently disturbing those remains stirred up some ghostly activity that's still talked about today at that castle. It's believed the, the spirits of those who were imprisoned and died in the oubliette still linger. People have reported heavy, oppressive atmosphere near the uh, oubliette's location, mm. a feeling of sadness in that area. But, I'm sad and I'm nowhere near it. But that's not the only sightings. So many horrific things happened there over the centuries. There's just a lot of negative energy. Perhaps one of the most famous ghostly presence at Leap Castle is the elemental, a mysterious and malevolent spirit described as a small hunched figure with a decaying face. Mm. It's believed to have been conjured by dark magic practices. People have reported a foul smell. Yeah, I bet. Like rotting flesh or sulfur. There's a ghostly priest that's been spotted in there. In one particular area of the castle, which is lovingly referred to as the Bloody Chapel, uh, the ghost of a priest is often reported. He was allegedly murdered by his own brother during a power struggle within the O'Carroll family. A phantom girl, often referred to as Emily, is said to haunt the castle as well, particularly uh, near the spiral staircase. It's believed she fell to her death from the castle battlements sometime in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. Witnesses have reported seeing her falling again or sometimes just playing near the stairs. And the list goes on and on and on. But many people think that when they disturbed the oubliette, it opened some kind of a door. Oh. These things escalated. Other eerie oubliettes have been found in Wales and France and even modern-day Turkey. Uh, imagine you're a prisoner back in those days. One minute, you're caught up in some kind of medieval drama, and the next moment, you're dragged into this ominous-looking castle. They take you to what seems like a dead end, but then, surprise, it's a pit. Down you go into this narrow, vertical nightmare. Once you hit bottom, that's it. You're surrounded by stone walls, maybe skeletons or rotting remains for company. And it's pitch black. There's no Instagram. There's no TikTok. Wi-Fi sucked back in those days, especially if you were like in an oubliette because of the stone walls. Sure. You need a range extender. Now, these places weren't just about physical suffering. They were designed really as psychological torture. You're down there. You're starving. You're thirsty. You're probably going loopy from the isolation. And if you're unlucky enough to be in one that was built in a castle wall, you can still hear everyday life going on outside, people laughing. Um, maybe they're having a, a festival. And you're just stuck in this hole, forgotten. And I imagine some of them were pretty tight quarters. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. You know, I mentioned some of the oubliettes were designed originally for different uh, purposes, some for storage. Some were part of the castle's sewer system. Ah. Uh. It's like one of those home renovation shows where they find something weird in the basement, except in this case, it's a, a potential medieval torture pit. Despite the murky history and the embellishments over the years, one thing's for sure. Being thrown in an oubliette was a death sentence. It was either quick and painful or slow and maddening. 
you would go for the quick and painful. Absolutely. Life was brutal in the Middle Ages. For sure. I remember an episode you did where you talked about the research that kind of pinpoints the worst year ever. Yeah. And it was in the Middle Ages. Of course, of course it of course. was. Yeah, absolutely. But even with all the horror and spookiness, the history of Oubliettes is uh, somewhat shrouded in mystery. We have to go on accounts uh, of legend, things that have been passed down throughout history, and the physical evidence. But we can piece together from the legends and stories and historical records that uh, this actually did happen. Mm. But it is like trying to solve a puzzle with just part of the pieces. We don't know the full extent of this. Is this like like a three strikes and you're out kind of thing? Or is it, you know, you make one mistake and down the oubliette you go. But even though the legend and the lore they've inspired is fascinating, people are pretty ingenious when it comes to cruelty. Yeah, this is terrible. It's a chilling chapter in human history where the depths of human suffering were literally plumbed. In the end, oubliettes are a reminder of a time when life was cheap and mercy was scarce. It's a creepy and fascinating footnote to uh, to history. Mm. I got my information from leapcastle.net, all things interesting, and history defined. Oof. You weren't wrong. That was terrible. Yeah. It's a pretty name, though. Oubliette. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. 
When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now that thing in the middle. Television made its premiere in uh, 1939 at the New York World's Fair. It's the first time most people outside of the people inventing television had a chance to to see what it was capable of, of providing. We've been watching a lot of World's Fair stuff lately. I don't know how we got on that kick. But. I'm enjoying it. But here are a few wildly inaccurate predictions that people made about television back when it first came out. Dyson Carter from the Sun-Times in August of 1945 said, one show a night is too much. Quote, of course it would be interesting to see movies in your living room for a while, but four hours an evening or even just one show each night is too much. Tests show that people will not watch movies at home nearly as often or as long as they'll listen to the radio. Dyson never binged The Wire, I guess. Bill Britton of California in 1949 said, no one will ever attend a live sporting event again. (laughs) They can watch it on TV. Baseball minor leagues will disappear, he wrote. Mm. Unoccupied bleachers will be raised. It's a dark dystopian wasteland. A CBS executive called uh, Ben Finer Jr. in January of 46 says, comedy shows just don't click. The nightclub and burlesque style flops. So does the fast gag man. We simply have not found a formula for humor on television. Well, that may have been true then. I've seen some of those old shows and (laughs) it's not great. Sylvester Weaver, NBC vice president, predicted that audiences would be able to spot phony politicians. Huh. Yeah. Um, hmm. So... <sighs> about that. In March of 1954, the Daily Item in Sunbury, Pennsylvania wrote, quote, Color television will supplement, not replace, black and white reception. He said the average American consumer has not stopped buying low-priced cars simply because they would like a high-priced one. People, he said, buy entertainment and conceivably some television programs will never be broadcast in color. A television newscast wouldn't be. It's not necessary to be in color to be more informative. I would argue that a lot of quote-unquote news doesn't worry so much about being informative. So color it is. Marie sent us a message. I didn't go to the Museum of Disgusting Food, but I have been to Iceland. And... And I've eaten that fermented shark. As requested, here's pictures of me putting it in my face hole. Ooh, Ooh, it looks 
not great, but they seem to be enjoying it. Thanks, Marie. Say hi to Pepper. Hi, my name is Chris, rhymes with piss, and I like to party. (laughs) Just to give you an idea of my social anxiety, I started listening to your show in late July, early August, and immediately thought I should recommend a show to you guys. So I went through the entire catalog in this time, and I finally caught up today, all the while listening to every word you said to make sure you haven't already watched said show. Anyway... That's a long way of saying, have you watched the show Letter Kenny? Oh my gosh. So I've seen clips from it and I've been told so many times we need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, It does seem very us. Yeah, well, it's, it's a Canadian sitcom and you and I, having grown up in Northern Maine, can probably relate to it. Um, I saw one clip of it where he says, your sister's lasagna gave me the scoots. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Canadian. Love what you guys do. You make being socially awkward and anxious seem so effortless, and I admire that so much. Also, perhaps a topic suggestion. And then he gives a suggestion, which I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to save it for myself. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. We put the hoe in holidays. This is The Box of Oddities. Bonus and Windermere, a lake district in England, is known for a lot of things. Uh, Gorgeous scenic views, outdoor activities, the world of Beatrix Potter attraction, and the Tizzy Wizzy. Well, you had me at Beatrix Potter, but Tizzy Wizzy? (laughs) The Tizzy Wizzy is a legendary creature that has captivated the imagination of locals and tourists in the UK's Lake District, particularly in Bonus Bay. 
The story of the Tizzy Wizzy dates back to around 1900, when a boatman from Bonus claimed to have spotted the creature. According to legend, the boatman regaled the patrons of the Stag's Head Hotel with his thrilling encounter with the extraordinary creature, described as a shy, water-loving creature, with a body resembling that of a hedgehog, wings similar to those of a dragonfly, hmm. antenna like a bee, and a large fluffy tail reminiscent of a squirrel. Huh. The conflicting accounts of its existence and its rarity have contributed to the mystery surrounding the creature. Now, the specific identity of the boatman in the Tizzy Wizzy legend is not provided in the given information. He's described as a local figure from Bonus in the UK's Lake District around 1900 and depicted as a character known for wearing woolly jumpers. <laughs> woolly jumpers. Yep. Yeah. And constantly having a pipe in his cracked country lips. Tizzy Wizzy. That to me sounds like a character on the old Teletubby show. <laughs> you know, those little creatures with the coat hangers in their head. Yep. Yeah. While the boatman's name is not mentioned, he plays a pivotal role in the popularizing of the legend of the Tizzy Wizzy through his encounter and subsequent storytelling to tourists at the Stag's Head Hotel. However, there are some skeptics that believe that the legend of the Tizzy Wizzy was actually an ingenious marketing scheme. They argue that the boatmen used the story to entertain tourists and conduct Tizzy Wizzy hunts, <laughs> charging a fee mm -hmm. to participate. During these Tizzy Wizzy hunts, did they find a Tizzy Wizzy? I mean, with eyewitnesses. Mm, well, no. Oh. But oh. the boatmen would lead the eager participants in search of the elusive Tizzy Wizzy, often ending the hunt near one of the piers. And on occasion, a participant would be accidentally pushed into the lake. And that would add to the excitement of the Ooh. whole experience. And maybe it was the Tizzy Wizzy that caused that kerfuffle. I don't know. Seems like a crappy tour. The boatman would sometimes claim that the Tizzy Wizzy had escaped to Belle Isle, offering to take interested followers across the lake to continue the search. Uh, for yeah. a fee, of course. Of course, yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's an add-on. The legend of the Tizzy Wizzy spread. Now, many people claim to have seen the creature over the years, though there are no photographs. There is a photograph of a depiction <laughs> of what the Tizzy Wizzy looks like. Uh -huh. And that is scootling around the internet, and, and I will show that to you in a couple of minutes. And I'll certainly share it on social media. Just keep in mind that that is not a photo of the Tizzy Wizzy. It's a depiction of the Tizzy Wizzy. It's a photo of a depiction. Yes. Of, of the Tizzy Wizzy. Yes. I don't want anyone to be confused okay. and think that I'm trying to, you know, pull the woolly jumper over their eyes. <laughs> now, despite... The elusive nature of the Tizzy Wizzy, the legend persists, and tourists would flock to the Lake District in search of the mythical creature. Now, as I said, there are some that believe that the Tizzy Wizzy was merely a fabrication for profit, while others maintain that there might be some truth to the legend. As I said, some people said they'd seen it. Mm. Regardless, the tale of the Tizzy Wizzy has become an integral part of the local lore and continues to fascinate those who visit the district. 
Now, over the years, the legend has been perpetuated through various means, including postcards featuring the creature's image. Again, a depiction of the creature. Right, right. Wearing his woolly jumper? No, he doesn't wear a woolly jumper, just the boatman. Oh, okay. I misunderstood that. I thought I thought the creature wore a woolly jumper. And I'm thinking, that's not very scary. A cryptid wearing a woolly jumper does not instill fear in my heart. Well, I think that this is something that we need to discuss. Do you feel that cryptids are inherently creepy? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I don't think that's the case. I can't imagine that anyone would imply that, let's say, for instance, Mothman was creepy. Stop He's de- not. St- stop defending Mothman. You're kissing Mothman's ass again. I'm just saying, if Mothman were real, mm-hmm. probably... He's a lovely creature that has no ill intent and shouldn't be villainized. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, despite the elusiveness, the Tizzy Wizzies garnered attention and curiosity from both believers and skeptics and has become the subject of fascination for cryptozoologists and enthusiasts of mythical creatures. Some argue that the creature's existence is actually rooted in folklore and centuries-old legends and was just kind of rehashed in the boatman's tale. While others just say, no, no, this boatman just needed some extra cash. As visitors explore the Lake District looking for the Tizzy Wizzy, they might find themselves gazing across the tranquil waters of Windermere, wondering, will they catch a glimpse of this creature? But, I mean, regardless... This place is gorgeous, so you're getting an incredible experience and experiencing the land while on your fun little creature hunt. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a bad thing, and I think if you go into it with the right spirit, it would be absolutely an enjoyable tizzy-wizzy hunt. Of course, the creature is yet to be fully understood. The legend continues to captivate. Whether Tizzy Wizzy is a product of clever marketing or a genuine creature, is the stories become intertwined with the history and culture, and it serves as a reminder of the region's enchanting landscapes and the power to create captivating tales for generations. I loved your story. Thank you. I mean, setting aside the hollow insincere praise of mothman i thought it was fascinating although i must admit i was more excited when i thought the tizzy wizzy was the one wearing the woolly jumper that's fair and maybe maybe we could find a a depiction a photo of a depiction of the tizzy wizzy in a jumper i don't know i'll see what i can find if anyone can find it it would be you thank you here he is if you'd like to see him yes please oh okay isn't he the cutest thing you've ever seen Kind of hedgehoggy, but weird antennas. Hmm, interesting. I got my information from News and Star, Rabbies.com, The Lanks, and Cryptids Fandom. Oh, thanks, by the way, to Sarah, who sent me the link so I could learn more about Tizzy Wizzy. I loved it. Still a few days left for you to get your friends into the box and win yourself a one-year's membership, entrance, if you will, indoctrination into... The Inner Circle of Freaks. And that gets you some cool stuff. We've got a bonus episode coming up. We've got monthly Zooms with the Freaks. Ad-free episodes that show up early. Join us, won't you? Join us. 
Get your friends into the box. There are many ways to enter. Uh, Just uh, click on the link in the show description, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Uncle Jim's in his favorite jumper. (laughs) If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.